welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. All right, welcome everyone to the weekly call. Bill Bronchick with you. Um, we're going to talk about this week first how to do comps on property. Seems to be something that everybody, even beginner or intermediate or advanced, could uh, use a little brush up on. And uh, and physically how to do the comps, you know, where to do them and so forth, and what websites. Um, comps, so they're called comparable sales, are one of the three ways to evaluate a property. Uh, there's three acceptable methods. There's the comparable sales method, there's the income approach, and there's the replacement value. Replacement value is something that you use for insurance purposes, and it has little bearing on the real value. Uh, and then you have other things like assessed value, which is, you know, could be more or less, generally is a little bit less than the market value. That's what the county assesses it at. But it's not a bad place to look, um, especially when you're comparing properties, like, you know, trying to figure out the lot value of, of being against uh, the golf course or the beach versus across the street. You could see the lot value difference on the tax assessor website. But what we're going to talk about is focusing on those comparable sales. Um, single family, duplex, triplex, fourplex. So one to four family residential uses the comparable sales method. Five family residential and up is not considered residential anymore. It's considered commercial. And you use the income approach, uh, which is going to focus on things like cap rates and uh, net operating income and so forth. If we have a little time towards the end, I'll go into that a little bit. Now, comparable sales, first of all, what is comparable? Well, um, Appraisal School 101 says we're going to look at properties that are relevant to the subject property uh, within a mile as the crow flies and that were sold within the last six months. Now, um, let's talk about both of those. Up to a mile is a long way. In a rural area, yes. In a suburban or urban neighborhood, that's way too far. We'd start with stuff that's on the block, if not on the block, within the subdivision. If not within the subdivision, we can't find anything, then we're going to go to the next closest subdivision that is similar prices, similar uh, age, similar you know uh, types of build. Um, in terms of comparison, think of it this way. It's more of an art than a science. It's like going to get a TV at Best Buy. So you go to Best Buy and you got TVs, you know, all the way from 300 up to 1,000. Um, and so you look at this, the bottom one, which is uh, some Korean brand you never heard of, like Daewoo, uh, and you throw that one out. And then you go to the, take out the Sony because that's probably a thousand bucks, you know, you know, really high end brand. Throw that one out. And then in the middle, between four and six hundred. You got your sweet spot. You got your Samsungs, your Panasonics, uh, your you know your uh, other similar brands that are well known, Toshiba, so forth. And you're going to compare size of screen. You're going to compare features. You're going to compare resolution. You're going to compare you know, uh, uh, the audio features and, and so forth. And then you'll get to a sweet spot where you're going to narrow it down to two or three about the same price. And that's really the same method that we do for comparable sales. We're trying to find uh, stuff that is closely comparable. So now what is comparable? Well, first let's start with size. If a house that you're looking at has sold is within 25%, 
maybe even a little more, maybe even 35% of the square footage of the subject property, it's comparable in size. But more importantly than size, because a lot of people will take size times square foot, so 1,200 square feet times 100 bucks a foot and come up with 120, that's not entirely accurate. What you're looking to compare is bedrooms and baths to bedrooms and baths. So, for example, a three-bedroom, one-bath compares to a three-bedroom, two-bath because you can add or subtract for the extra bathroom. A three-bedroom to a four-bedroom is comparable. A two-bedroom to a three-bedroom or a two-bedroom to a four-bedroom are generally not comparable. Uh, there's a big, big jump in value between a two-bedroom house and a three, less so between a three and a four or a five. Okay? So the biggest jump in value is you know, from a two-bedroom to a three-bedroom, which, by the way, you should look for opportunities. If you find a two-bedroom that's big, like... 1,400 square feet or 1,500 square feet, look at the possibility of chopping off some space somewhere to make a third bedroom uh, and really improve the value of it. Um, so we're looking at stuff that's similar in bedrooms and baths, similar in size, plus or minus 25 to 35% square footage. We're going to look at, and by the way, when I say bedrooms, uh, bedrooms have to be conforming, meaning uh, if you have a ranch with a basement with those little windows, those two bedrooms in the basement can't be counted. Okay, so when you're comparing, you should compare main floor or upstairs um, bedrooms to up main floor upstairs bedrooms. You theoretically could compare a bedroom in a basement that has a full egress window or a walkout. Um, as a bedroom to compare it with something else, but it's going to be obviously a little worth a little less to have a bedroom in a basement versus a bedroom on a main floor. One exception to that would be a very hot area like a Phoenix where you have a walkout basement and you can have potentially a master bedroom on the lower floor because it's cooler. Uh, but generally speaking, garden level bedrooms are going to be worth less than main floor or up second floor bedrooms. Okay, then we have to look at style of house. Um, there's all different types of styles of houses. You got your ranch, you got your cape, you have a split ranch, you have a bi-level, you have a tri-level, you have the colonial two-story with the bedrooms upstairs. Um, and, and in different climates and different areas, you'd have different types of you know bungalows and you know all different types of. But generally speaking, in most markets. The two-story colonial with the you know main floor, basement or not, um, and plus bedrooms upstairs is going to be your highest value in terms of style in the neighborhood. Whereas uh, a ranch is somewhere in the middle to upper, depending on the climate. Like if you're in Florida, um, hot climate, you want a ranch. You don't want a two-story house um, unless it's brand new and has really good ventilation. Um, but generally speaking, the colonials are the higher end of the neighborhood, and, the, and then the split levels, capes, and uh, bi-levels and tri-levels are on the lower end of the neighborhood. So you got to make sure you're comparing apples to apples because, uh, for example, a three-bedroom, two-bath ranch compared to a three-bedroom, two-bath colonial with bedrooms upstairs and then everything else on the main floor, is not. there's going to be a big difference in, in value there. So you have to adjust for that. Age is also a factor you have to look at. Um, there's pre-50s, there's uh, post-50s, 70s, and then 90s and newer. So 
um, a house built pre-50 is not always comparable with something like built in the 70s or 90s unless the old house was completely renovated up to date, you know, new electrical, new plumbing, and so forth. Um, so you got to make sure you're comparing, you know, the, the appropriate age, style, bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, and location. Now, then we get into the little subtleties. Which is more important, location to the subject property, or is it uh, age of the comp? So, for example, if you are looking at a condo, a two-bedroom condo, condos are very unique per development. It's hard to compare one development with another unless they were built by the same developer around the same time. So, for example, if I have a two-bedroom condo I'm trying to comp, and across the hall, the same two-bedroom condo sold a year ago for X price, technically that's older than six months and we wouldn't count it. So we'd have to go down the road to a different development for one that sold last month. But logically, that doesn't make sense because the one across the hall is the most like yours. And even though it was a year ago, you could probably extrapolate that the market in this area has gone up 8% and just mark it up 8%. Uh, an appraiser won't do that, but I think we can do that as investors to get a ballpark value. Okay. The last thing I'll, I'll tell you is um, an appraisal looks at comparable sales in the past, you know, the last six months, you have to adjust seasonally. So if you're looking at stuff, it is now April, and you're looking at a sale in December, obviously that's going to be a lower number than something that you bought now, put on the market in July after you fixed it up. Not just because it's a, you know, year over year, it's a, it might be an increase in value because of the market, but just because of the seasons, the just, just for the season, it's going to lag behind. So what you also want to do is look at properties that are currently for sale in the same neighborhood and extrapolate a little bit of, okay, this is what's happened in the last six months. This is what's happening now. Is it higher, the same, or lower than what happened three months ago? I mean, ideally, you'd use comps of properties that are currently under contract, ready to close. That's the most freshest comp. Okay, as opposed to something that's sold a couple of months ago. Finally, you want to make sure that the comparable sales were clean sales. What I mean is between a seller, a perfectly nice house, you know, all updated paint, carpet, everything that was sold to a buyer who got a bank loan, used a realtor, and then lives in it as his primary residence. You, you don't want to use comps from short sales, foreclosure sales, um, you know, maybe a, a sale between investors of a junker property. Those are not going to be accurate. You want to look at sales that were clean, what I call clean sales. You know, it's going to be something that you're going to be doing uh, in the case of a fix and flip where it would be beautiful and it would be on the multiple listing and represented by a real estate broker and they got a, they got a um, FHA or Fannie Mae loan. Okay. So make sure you take that into account. Okay, so where are we going to find this stuff? Well, ideally, you'd have a good real estate broker or agent who could pull it off the multiple listing for you, especially under contract stuff, which is very hard to find on uh, consumer websites. Um, so they could pull what's for sale, what is sold, and what's currently under contract. They could pull market data. They could pull all kinds of stats. 
um, the only challenge with that is if that realtor is also the listing realtor and telling you this is a good deal, how do you know you're getting the the not getting skewed information that they cherry picked for you because they want to sell you the house. So just keep that in mind. If it's your realtor, the one that you hired to represent you, then it's accurate. Probably. Um, in addition to that, or if you don't have access to that, there are three main websites that you can use to get comparable sales data, market data, and properties for sale. And those are Zillow, Redfin, R-E-D-F-I-N, and Trulia, T-R-U-L-I-A. They all present it a little differently, but it, it, they give you the comp data. They show it on a map, how close it is. They show pictures. Usually most of the information of the sale was pulled from the MLS, so it should be identical. So, for example, if you're trying to figure out if something was a, quote, clean sale, the listing information, the pictures, and the realtor notes should be in those websites. So, for example, if it says brand new countertops uh, uh, for Mike, I mean, um, uh, slab granite, uh, stainless steel appliances, totally gutted, you know, from A to Z, then that's a clean sale. If it says recently refreshed, that just means a carpet, you know, a, a carpet cleaning and a coat of paint. You know, that may not be a real upgrade because if, if if it had uh, slab granite countertops and stainless steel appliances and all new flooring, it would say that in the ad. If it doesn't say that, you can assume that it's not there. So you may want to uh, adjust that comparable if it doesn't say all those things in it. Um, all three websites have what are called uh, uh, computer automated valuation models, or AVMs. Um, Zillow has what's called a Zestimate. Those are sometimes right on the money and often way off. Um, if you have no clue and you're looking for a starting point, like you're on the phone with a seller and they go, here's the address of my house, I'm asking 200 and you can go on Zillow and Zillow says 200, well, you're pretty close, probably. Um, if Zillow says 400, you should jump up and down, but if Zillow says 150, mm, I would do more research, but I wouldn't get that excited. Um, but you want to get it much more accurate than that. T generally speaking, in neighborhoods where everything is fairly homogeneous, like something built in the 70s or 80s, where all the houses are built the same time period, they're all similar in style, there's three different styles, Zillow tends to be fairly accurate, and so do the other AVMs. But if you're in a neighborhood where you've got stuff from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and some brand new builds, it's going to be all over the map. So I, I take that with a grain of salt. I would um, look at the raw data, the properties that have sold, the properties that have, are currently for sale, and extrapolate according to the formula I just laid out for you. And most importantly, get off your backside, get out of your chair in your home or office, and drive. You, you, there's things that you can't see on a computer. So, for example, if there's a, a wonderful view or an obstructed view or a power line or the neighbor has five barking Rottweilers <laughs> jumping up and down on the fence when you go look at the subject property, that's going to affect its value. Um, or your neighbor's just a slob and, you know, it, it could affect the value of your house. 
Um, if there's a HUD property for sale next door and on the other side and another one across the street, that's going to affect your ability to resell the house. So you can't do those things on the computer. You have to print out the information and literally drive the comps. And you'll see sometimes, ah, I get it. This one's a corner lot. That's why this one sold for more. Or, ah, this one's under a power line. That's why it sold for less. Or if you can't figure it out, knock on the door. Most people will answer, and you can say, listen, I, I hate to bother you, but I'm, I have a house down the block. I'm getting ready to sell, and I'm trying to figure out what it's worth. You know, According to public records, you bought this for 250 Do you mind me if I ask you a few questions about it? Like, you know, was it fixed up when you bought it, or did you do work? Um, did you use a regular loan, or did the seller carry terms, which might affect the sale price, and so forth? Um, most people will give you the information, you know, just for asking. Just be nice, knock on the door, and do it during the day. Um, and remember, again, it's not an exact science, but we we want to get the 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 uh, after repaired value, what it's worth after it's fixed up, as close as we possibly can to accurate within two to three percent. Uh, if you're off by 10% on a fix and flip, we're working on 10% margins. So there goes your profit out the window if you're wrong. Just be conservative if you're not sure. And, you know, worse comes to worse, you can always look for a realtor sign in the neighborhood. If you see the same realtor over and over, that means that's their target neighborhood that they know probably and call them up and say, Hey, I'm putting a house on the market. I'm thinking I'm interviewing some realtors. What do you think I can get for this? Um, hopefully that's the correct answer. Um, a lot of times realtors will puff a little bit about what they think they can get for you. So you may want to, you know, adjust for what I call the air or <laughs> BS factor <laughs> or as they call it in legal terms, the puffery. Um, and that's, that's basically it. I mean, um, uh, you could get an appraisal as is and then tell them you're going to do the following work and what would it be worth afterwards. But that's just an opinion. And the thing I don't like about appraisals is they only look backwards. They don't look at what's currently on the market for sale. And, and if you're going to be doing a rental, then the, the appraisal's fine. But if you're doing a fix and flip, what's for sale now? What's just coming to market, and what is it price? Is it higher or lower than the comps in the last six months? Um, what you may want to do is pull. There's a form called a Broker's Price Opinion, BPO. You could Google it. It's a, I, I believe it's a Fannie Mae form, a standard Fannie Freddie form that you can Google to say BPO sample form, and you'll see the criteria they use to come up with a broker's price opinion. Now, a broker's price opinion, like, like I just suggested, looks at properties both for sale and sold in the past, whereas an appraisal only looks at what's sold in the past. If you gave the same form, an appraisal form and a BPO to the same individual, the BPO, I think, would give you a more accurate reading. But some will argue that a realtor is not as good as an appraiser, and therefore the appraisal is more valuable could be accurate to say that, but I would look at both. All available information you want to get. Okay? And a last thing, too, just when you're comparing, especially a house in one subdivision versus one maybe across the street, uh, across a main road, uh, make sure they're in the same school district because that could really change it. 
Thank you for listening to Bill Bonchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.